Live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company. You what? need to wash your hands after you use the restroom. Yes. With Steve Cofield. I like messing with him, but he's got the perfect face for radio. <laughs> Adam Candy. This is gotcha journalism. You know what? They're not going to gotch me. It's time for Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go on a Wednesday. BBBC is our spot today. Justin Watkins, ESPN Las Vegas Legal Insider will be along in our number two. Adam Candy is here. As uh, Angel is helping out. All right, Candy, let's get to uh, trending at 2 o'clock. We got some interesting news in less than five on Giannis and his uh, hyperextended knee from last night. But uh, very important news. Very important news out of the Tour de France. I really got to wrap my head around this one. And from a legal standpoint, we're going to have Justin on, like I said, next hour. Uh, Tell people what exactly happened at the Tour de France that wiped out half the freaking field. Uh, during a stage, and uh, I think the culprit has now been caught. Thank God, by the way. Thank God <laughs> the culprit has been caught. Because Take the real criminals off the street. We Seriously, I, I, France needs to solve the problems that need solving right now, and that is people with cardboard signs at bike races. And so this woman who held up a sign, um, and I, I mean, when I put it in Google Translate, it didn't do much for me. Ale uh, Opi Omi, I don't know. That's the best I can make out of it. Uh, she took out a whole bunch of riders in the Tour de France because, you know, I mean, you've watched the Tour de France before. You know that there are like a hundred guys in basically like, you know, a tenth of a square mile. Like, like they're all just right next to each other. Um, and so one guy hits the sign. Everybody falls down. The French lose their crap. And they say, we have to find this person. We have to find them. Um, We are going to arrest them. Arrest them for interfering with the Tour de France. And apparently this woman, um, after first they thought she had fleed, uh, offered herself up at a police station. She has been apprehended for this terrible behavior, as the French police put it. Yeah, I can't wait to see what she says, because that whole fleeing thing, I never really got that. It just seemed like... Some, you know, exuberant jabroni uh, standing next to the Tour de France like everyone does. And she got a little froggy and, uh, you know, one of the morons on the bikes got a little too close to her. Is that bad? I'm blaming it on the cyclist Um, and wiped out the whole field. So, I mean, is there some proof that she did it on purpose? No, she was clearly trying to get on camera with the sign. uh, Wasn't paying attention. And and yeah. And so there, there we go. But. Uh, you you be careful there, Cofield. You be careful because if there is one group I have learned not to not to piss off, it, it is the cyclists, um, especially here on the roads in Las Vegas. You get a little close, even if you know they're there, even if you <laughs> edge around, even if you try to be a responsible driver. Um, they they will let you know when when they think you have not been a responsible driver. And I have a road bike. I like going out and riding my bike, but God, I have a guide as to what person I never want to be. Yeah, I found out over the years that uh, those of us in cars are the least important people on the roads. It's the uh, cyclists and also the people on motorcycles who, for some reason, can legally lane split, uh, blow bias. If we moved over an inch as they're blowing bias, we're going to kill them. But uh, it's us. It's us, not them. Well, it's always been. It's a weird deal. All right. Well, weird news out of uh, 
Dodgerland, and this is another one of those legal topics we'll hit a little later on as we're at the Battleborn Broadcast Center. Justin Watkins up in hour number two. Uh, Jeff Passan had the report yesterday, and we're still trying to get more information on it. On it, uh, Passan, the MLB guy for ESPN, said following a TMZ report, uh, police are investigating Dodger star Trevor Bauer for an assault on a woman. Bauer's attorney, John Federoff, released a statement in which he denied allegations. Uh, interesting, ESPN has chosen not to name the woman, even though her attorney did. Uh, this is your classic. He said, she said case consensual. Was it assault? And uh, now we'll see what baseball does. This is always a very thorny issue for major league sports. Do they jump in at the beginning of the issue? Uh, you know, what do you do in terms of timing? Obviously we're dealing on the NFL side with guys like Deshaun Watson. So uh, I have no, I, I Bobby Manfred could overstep and, uh, be a horse's ass, but he could also just bury his head in the sand. He'll also be a horse's ass. At this point, he can't win. On the same day, essentially, that Jared Porter, who was at the heart of the Mets situation, who lost his job as the GM there, was put uh, on the exempt list and banned uh, by the commissioner, essentially indefinitely at this point. The timing is not going to be uh, friendly to Trevor Bauer in that way. But it, this was interesting. And we're going to, again, we're going to talk to Justin about it because. Trevor Bauer's attorneys came right out with pretty much everything. Uh, they were very clear about what they said happened in the two encounters between the woman and uh, and Trevor Bauer. Um, listen, I'm not saying I'm the most well-traveled person uh, in the world, but a concussion uh, came out of this. And uh, some say that the, the concussion was consensual, and some say it was assault in this case. So lots more to get into here. Never heard that one. A consensual concussion. I I don't know that I have ever experienced <laughs> anything that would go down that road. Yeah, not a laughing matter. Uh, if it, you know what uh, what is alleged to have gone down, went down. All right. Update on uh, what just looked horrific last night, and also just earth shattering for the NBA. Another one of the megastars. Once again, a team that looked like. It had the uh, the path paved beautifully to an NBA title. Giannis goes down, hyperextended knee. Woj drops one of his bombs about 40 minutes ago, saying there's no structural damage to Giannis' left knee after his uh, awkward landing last night in Atlanta. Ligaments are sound, sources tell Zach Lowe and me. Timetable to return is unclear. That was also backed up, as I just called him, uh, Doc Pope. Xavier Pope tweeted out, though, let's pump the brakes a little bit uh, because that's a two- to four-week recovery time. He's not coming back unless the Bucks make the finals and even then uh, later in a series. So Doc Pope has spoken up. But good news, because there were some people last night speculating that it was an ACL tear. Uh, Giannis is okay. I don't know if we see him again in the playoffs, though. I had no idea that a jurist doctor uh, also gave you the license to practice medicine, but very impressive, very impressive. I, we knew Xavier's <laughs> talented. I just didn't know that talented. Well, um, as I say all the time, and he joked about it, he knows everything. So if, oh, if I'm going to label him as the guy who knows everything, then we got to take his, uh, his doctor's gotta advice. Got to take, take the medical advice. There's no yeah. question about it. Yeah, let's just let's just run this back for a second. Like, Let's just run this all the way back to Embiid and LeBron and Anthony Davis and Donovan Mitchell and the first Chris Paul injury that he's back from at this point. 
and Trey Young and Giannis. I mean, it's just unbelievable what these playoffs have been uh, in the NBA. And yeah, I mean, uh, look, I remember very clearly how many years ago was it now, Cofield, when Bryce Harper hit the base on that rainy night and we all thought that that his knee was blown to shreds. He wasn't going to play for a year, this and that. And then it came back and was like, oh, my God, it's just a bone bruise. Like, thank God he's going to. Well, yeah, the bone bruise still kept him out a while because there's still a lot of pain management that has to go on with that. So, you know, there's nothing to say that just because the ligaments are sound that Giannis is coming back anytime soon. Great job last night. Not by the Bucks, who I warned everyone in prosperous times. And I didn't know Giannis was going to go down, but they actually weren't playing very well when Giannis was out there. Told you. Bucks can get a little loose sometimes. And, you know, we talked to Cole Huff, one of our uh, basketball guys who played at Reno and Creighton, played some pro basketball as well as working for the Athletic. And, you know, first name he came up with uh, since Trey Young uh, was going to be, uh, you know, we knew that he was down. The first guy he came up with was uh, Lou Williams, Lemon Pepper Lou. And the old guy came through. He had a big game. He had 21 points. And the other guy I mentioned, too, was uh, was Bogey. Um he finally shot the ball well. So the Hawks are in this thing. They're very much in it. I name all the guys on the Hawks you want. Like that's that's fine. Like you know, Bogdanovich <laughs> playing through pain. That's great. John Collins had four points and they won. This this has nothing to do with the Atlanta Hawks. Sorry, Hawks. This is how in the world has Mike Budenholzer not had his credentials revoked midseason? Like I would just imagine one day he tries to walk into the Bucks facility and he's just standing there with his access card like, dude, oh, what, why, why have the door open? Dude, no, oh, 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 I know what it is. I'm fired because he should have been fired by now. The way this team has played in the postseason is just inexcusable. I didn't even mention when I was going through the injuries, the Nets injuries. Like, I didn't mention anything with Harden or Kyrie Irving as well. The Bucks should have blown their way through the Eastern Conference long ago. And here they came last night. And as you said, Steve, at halftime, Giannis was in that lineup and they were playing like hot garbage. So the Milwaukee Bucks are an embarrassment with the effort that they've put out there. And really, in the end, you can't point anywhere but to the coach because how many times has this team just come out completely flat? Can't deal with prosperity. It's amazing. Six o'clock start as the NBA is back tonight right here on ESPN Las Vegas as uh, Phoenix is taking on the Clippers. Clippers now down three to two. And, of course, we've uh, we've got another game in the Stanley Cup Finals again on NBC Sportsnet. That's a five o'clock puck drop as Montreal's taking on the Lightning. Lightning blew them out in game number one. We'll get to the big hockey news locally. Great day for the Vegas Golden Knights. Even better day for Mark andre Fleury as he gets really the ultimate honor of his career aside from winning the Cup. There's nothing better for a goaltender than uh, pulling in the Vesna. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Now, back to Cofield and Company. It's not just that Tampa finally got a power play goal on this juggernaut Habs PK. I mean, it came late in the game. It's even more so to me that in the earlier opportunities that the Lightning had, they got a lot of good looks. You know, sometimes you don't score in a power play and it's deflating. And that happened to Vegas last series. My goodness. I mean, that power play just sucked the life out of the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, that was 
Pierre Lebrun, Hockey Insider on uh, TSN, talking about the power play in Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Final. And then uh, accurate note there on the Golden Knights, who just were a disaster throughout the playoffs. 4 of 43. Ofer in the Canadian series. Just awful. Awful stuff. Uh, we're going to get to Marc-Andre Fleury winning, uh, getting the crowning achievement of his career. Got the Vesna. We'll get to the other awards as well. We've got uh, hockey insider Darren Pang in the 5 o'clock hour. He from uh, formerly of ESPN, so we'll probably get into what ESPN's going to be doing coming up. Everyone's excited about that. But uh, Panger will be with us in the 5 o'clock hour. Giveaway time first, though, 364-1100, caller 11. We've got tickets to uh, Cruel World Fest. That's at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. Uh, bands include Blondie, Devo, Echo, and the Bunnymen, and more, more like Gene Loves, Jezebel, English Beat. So you get the feel for what's going on. Two tickets, 364-1100, caller 11. First access to the tickets to buy yourself because the uh, Saturday show sold out. The Sunday show has been added. Go to cruelworldfest.com for tickets. And again, that's on, uh, that actually started today. That started today. Today's June 30th. So it started today. So go and get your tickets now because the first show sold out. Caller 11, 364-1100. So how about it, Candy? How about it? I know uh, a lot of people are very happy. First and foremost, Marc-Andre Fleury. This is uh, pretty special for a guy who's played 17 years in the league. He got the Vesna. He beat out Grubauer, who got almost uh, none of the votes. And then uh, Vasilevsky was right behind him. I think it was like 16 to 14 with the first place votes. Fleury got it done. Fleury got it done. What a story going back to last year. Who had ever thunk that uh, Marc-Andre Fleury would win the Vesna? It's amazing. Uh, he came back with a season at the age that he did, at the age of 36, that I'm not sure anyone expected other than to say you saw Marc-Andre Fleury play like that two years ago and you saw him, you know, essentially struggle with one of the hardest things that he's gone through uh, in his life, the loss of his father uh, last year. And you understood that there might have been factors that were outside of hockey that, that were causing him this issue. But a sub two goals against uh, Vasilevsky was the only real competition there. And if you look at the way the Lightning played versus the way the Golden Knights played, the Lightning play a system that helps Andre Vasilevsky a whole lot more than the way the Vegas Golden Knights play helping Marc-Andre Fleury. Explain. Ultimately, the way this Vegas Golden Knights team goes, they jump those defensemen up in the play a lot. And what we saw, especially in previous years, maybe even more so than this year, but in previous years, you created a lot of opportunities that Marc-Andre Fleury was kind of out there on his own having to stop for the Vegas Golden Knights. And I know Vasilevsky's numbers look very good in terms of goals saved above average and some of the other metrics, but when you look at that Lightning roster top to bottom, that is a roster that defensively is better than than the Golden Knights, and they play a more sound overall system than VGK does night in and night out. That's not to say the Golden Knights did anything wrong. It just means they lean on Flurry more than Tampa Bay leans on Vasilevsky. Did you track the odds on Flurry for the Vesna? Uh, do you know anyone who won big? What were the highest odds that you could find? You know what? I actually didn't track much of that. The only thing I've been had been watching was the Con Smythe um, and Marc Andre Flurry. Right up until the point where the Golden Knights were knocked out in Game Six, was the odds on for the Con Smythe plus one seventy five? But uh, what did you see on Vesna? Uh, best I saw, and again, I didn't. I don't think I went far back enough. Does it? I, I found twenty six to one. You know, months and months and months ago, uh, 
probably early in the season. I don't know if it was higher than that, though. Well, you could assume that it was probably higher coming into the season because at the beginning of this season, there was no guarantee that Mark andre Fleury was even goalie 1A for right. the Vegas Golden Knights. I mean, Robert... Robin Leonard having the concussion early on in the year was what opened the door for, for Marc-Andre Fleury to come in and have this season. It's amazing. Uh, 92.8 save percentage, career best. Goals against average, 198. Regular season, career best. Best finish before this for the Vesna was fourth in 2018-19. So this is a hell of an honor. And... I think that you're going down the same path. We spent about four minutes talking about the honor today. It took our buddy Adam Hill about four seconds to get to, well, they still better move him. One year left on the contract. Yep. $7 million. Age of the goaltender plus the built-in variance in how goaltenders play year to year. Just think about where we were at this point of the offseason last year, where the Golden Knights could not have driven Mark andre Fleury to the airport to give him away to another team with the contract that he had. He was coming off one of the worst seasons of his career with two years and $14 million left on his contract. Robin Leonard having signed for five years, $25 million, looking like goalie 1A coming out of the bubble for the Vegas Golden Knights. So if you couldn't sell low, why wouldn't you at least look at selling high? I'm not saying they have to move him. But you absolutely, if you're the Golden Knights and you're in the cap hell that this team is and you have long-term contracts with William Carlson and Mark Stone and Alex Petrangelo and Alex Tuck and Shea Theodore, you are locked in in a lot of places and you better be willing to talk about whatever you need to do to make this roster better come next year. Was that a version of the case or speech you would give to Bill Foley? There is no speech I could give to Bill Foley. <laughs> Bill, Fo Bill Foley has a picture of Marc-Andre Fleury in a locket around his chest. Like, you, you don't have to worry about how Bill Foley feels about this. He's not moving the guy willingly. But I can imagine if the right deal comes in, if there's some young cost-controlled goaltender or they think they can go to Logan Thompson as a number two, and you look and say, look what we can do with this money, look where we can upgrade with this and still think that they have Robin Leonard as goaltender 1A, then I, I don't know. Maybe they can talk Bill Foley into it. Would you call him winning a shocker? No, not at all. Okay. No. 50-50. I, mean, I thought it was 55-45 probably in favor of Vasilevsky. I think it's fair to say that, that look, Vasilevsky had the flashier numbers on the season overall. I mean, and really, if you look at the the analytics, only UC Saros for Nashville had flashier numbers in terms of goals saved above average and you know, save percentage, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but consistency, consistently throughout the year, Marc-Andre Fleury was the best goaltender in the NHL. I wouldn't have been surprised if Vasilevsky won just as you know a lifetime achievement award to uh, to the season that the Tampa Bay Lightning had last year and the season they had this year. But remember... The Lightning dipped seriously toward the end of the year. The Lightning were not the one, number one seed in their own division, nor were the Golden Knights in the end. But Marc-Andre Fleury played the more consistent hockey throughout the year. Were there any surprises at all with these big awards that were announced last night? Uh, Connor McDavid, Hart, uh, Kaprizov, Calder, best rookie, and Adam Fox, Norris. Any of those 
raise a red flag. No, I actually think the voters did a really good job this year. Um, you know, Adam Fox obviously is not a name that's as well known, but he was outstanding for the New York Rangers uh, night in, night out this year. I think anyone who watched Kirill Kaprizov in the regular season, especially, but uh, in the playoffs, he was held down a little bit. But during the regular season, and that's of course what we're voting on here. Kirill Kaprizov was the best rookie in the NHL. It wasn't really all that close. And if anybody other than Connor McDavid had won the heart, you might as well just retire all the trophies altogether. <laughs> I mean, the guy, like, there's a reason he was unanimous. Unanimous! A hundred voters. He got all of them. He got yeah. all of the number one votes. And yet still, by the way, still that damn team didn't go anywhere in the playoffs. Amazing. It's going to become Connor McDavid and Mike Trout on the same plane where we've got the generational player whose team goes absolutely nowhere. Yeah, Kaprizov, uh, 27 goals, 24 assists, 51 points in 55 games. To put that in perspective, and I'm not saying he's supposed to play like McDavid, McDavid had 100, 105, 105 points. Uh, kudos to the Wild, though, because it took a while for Kaprizov to get here, like five and a half years, but that guy was 135th pick overall, and he looks like he is going to be a superstar well, and they better make sure they keep him happy because the rumblings already started this offseason about Kaprizov potentially going back to Russia. So, uh -oh. you know, they need to make sure that they take care of him and keep him happy because there are plenty of things to like about that Minnesota team, but he's the one you like the most. What does take care of him mean? I'm ultimately, you're probably going to have to pay the man, correct? Like, you're probably you like right out of the, the gates, man. right out of the gates. Here we go. You're getting big money. The Angels didn't have to pay Mike Trout when they did. The Padres didn't have to pay Fernando Tatis Jr. when they did. They could have kept him under team control and just said, hey, that's the system. Tough crap. Um, but this guy has a little bit of leverage. Like, this guy has already shown that he doesn't need this. Like, yeah, um, this is obviously his best earning opportunity, but can he willingly, happily go back and play somewhere else? Yeah. Coming up next, we're actually going to turn our attention to the NFL. We got uh, we got on the story kind of early. We got some things brewing around the Denver Broncos. You know, there's a whole uh, family deal with uh, Pat Bowen passing away where uh, the ownership is very in flux. There's a lot of infighting in the ownership group. If you noticed, uh, Philip Anschutz, who was on the uh, Lakers ownership team, just is uh, getting out from under the Lakers, which is kind of a weird way to say it. But I think he owned like 27% of the team. He's looking to move on, and there are rumors that he's the guy to take over the Broncos. But we'll get to the front end of things and how messy it has been and how soon before they can solidify what's going on with the ownership as our buddy from the fan in Denver, Judge Dan, is on the way. Visit LVSportsNetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews. 3-1, and this ball hit well. Deep out to center field, and that one is gone! Way up there. Gallo with a massive home run. 17th of the year, and he has tied the game. You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Trying to go the opposite way, <laughs> and he has another home run for Gallo. Holy moly. <laughs> There he is, Vegas hometown hero, Paisan, Joey Gallo. Two more home runs. Holy crap. Holy moly, as the uh, Rangers TV guy said. That's uh, nine homers in the month of June for Joey Gallo, who got off to a 
bit of a not even slow start. He uh, he's not at the top of the leaderboard, but man, some of the leaders. Otani had two more last night. We'll see if Joey, baby, uh, can catch him. As uh, he's been a forty homer guy, he's now hitting two thirty, eighteen homers, and forty two ribs. Everyone loves my singing, Candy. Everyone. Maybe I'll just sing for the next ten minutes. But instead, we'll go up to Denver. Uh, brewing stuff behind the scenes with the Denver Broncos. It's uh, it's kind of good for the Raiders as long as the Broncos are in flux with ownership. I think they got it right with the new GM. I'm not sure they have the right coach. I don't know what the hell exactly is going on with the ownership group. Judge Dan, our buddy Dan Jacobs, does radio on the fan. He gives Cofield and company a little time here. What's up, Dan? Hey, well, before we get to that, what happened? I thought we had a sacred pact this weekend that we were all going to post our meat picks. I got up nice and early. I threw a nice brisket on, USA Prime. I put my pick up. Rowan with McMillan throws his pick up. He had all sorts of stuff on the grill. And then uh, you and Adam Hill completely, you know, skate on the uh, obligation. What happened? I didn't see Justin Watkins up there. I didn't see you up there. You're doing the meetup uh, commercials. You're saying you're bragging about everything you're doing. Where were your picks? Uh, one, I didn't know about the secret pact. Uh, two, do you want? Twitter. What do you mean? Do you want? Well, I, I think you, you threw the meat on, and then then, then that, that was apparently the secret pact. Like I had no heads up. <laughs> so it was on the social. It was for the world to see. Well, do you want? Do you want too much? Should I do this? Do you want too much information? Yes. I didn't eat a lot of meat this weekend. The uh, the iron stomach was a little rough. <laughs> the goat. Yeah, <laughs> the, the all-time the goat, goat stomach goat. ran into some problems. I don't know what I did, but uh, but yeah, I needed to clear out the system, as they say, for about three days, so I went mostly meatless. Okay, well, you're getting old. I did air fry, I did air fry some bacon, and I twisted it up, so that was delicious. Uh, yeah, you're the, you're the Taylor Swift, <laughs> yeah. uh, the, the teenage girl of uh, bacon that recipes. You're all over it. Uh, better yet, better yet, it was turkey bacon, which I know drives you guys nuts. Oh, Jesus Christ, that's not bacon. It stops it. <laughs> The begging strips of uh, the yeah whatever <laughs> the beg begging <laughs> dog food begging strips. All right, well let's get into uh, first of all you're you're uh, great on what is going on. I'm not even sure you can really summarize it accurately. But before we get to some of the rumors of who may buy <laughs> the Broncos, explain and if it takes you time, it takes you time. Kind of the Cliff Notes version of what has gone on now the last couple of years with the Broncos ownership sitch because. Um, Lots of people have their hand in the pot on this one, and there's no clear picture of when this is all settled, right? Well, no, there's a clear picture. Uh, okay. Basically, once once Roger Goodell got dragged into court, or not court, but dragged into a conference room and had to give a deposition, uh, one, which was very uh, upsetting to him, uh, and two, found out what a blank show this was. He said, this ends now, and this team needs to be sold uh, we need to be, or we need to have a resolution on this by next uh, March. And if you don't, then we're going to start fining you at ten million dollars a clip. So Ooh. figure it out. And so that's when John Elway said, "Okay, I'm out. I'll take my six million dollars for this year, and I'm going to uh, vacation spots around the world. I'll see uh, Adam Hill down in Mexico, and I'm going to California." So that's when you saw George Payton become the GM, and that's when you saw um, we were going to see resolution. So that's basically what kind of I think moved the needle on this. Um, but to, so, so you guys know out there, basically, Pat Bowen um, had put the team into a trust. Now, what his older kids were saying was, at some point, he had Alzheimer's. After he got Alzheimer's, what they allege happened was a, a couple people that you know had uh, a vested interest in being a part of this trust became trustees. 
and they were the ones that were supposed to decide when the team got turned over and who it got turned over to. Well, they had to fire themselves to make that happen. So then a couple of the older kids started fighting with the younger kids, and there was a lawsuit. And there was never going to be a resolution to that. Uh, these people that were in the trust uh, had to fire themselves. Well, we, we, so the, the older kids sued. They were suing the trust. And there was this trial that was supposed to happen here in a couple weeks. I knew that was never going to happen. That was, you know, if you made a list of impossible things that were never going to that could never happen, uh, put that trial at the top of the list. Well, we found out yesterday both sides got together, agreed to vacate that trial date, which strongly, strongly, 90% indicates that they probably agreed that, yes, uh, they're going to sell the team. And, of course, I know your favorite part of the story of this uh, Cofield is there were supposed to be seven kids that all had, you know, an equal share in this. Mm-hmm. Well, Pat, Pat, Pat Bowen died, unfortunately, um, from the Alzheimer's disease recently. His funeral um, was sometime, I believe, late last year, earlier this year. Well, there's this young lady in her 30s in the, in the back row, and everybody's like, hmm, who's that? <laughs> oh, it's, a, it's an eighth child who has an eighth share of the team that nobody knew about. Well, he had a love child, so she gets a share of the team. Um, so the story is just fascinating. I'm sure somebody's going to, or many people will write books about how this thing played out. Uh, I like to say there's one of the trustees has a $300,000 a year Soprano-style no-show job where she got paid just to be a trustee and kind of vote certain ways or whatever. <laughs> the whole thing is fascinating, um, but it's about to be, there's going to be resolution. And no, it's not good for you, Raiders fans, because you have benefited, uh, being members of, of the AFC West, of all this turmoil, the Broncos, are currently mired in their worst stretch in NFL franchise history, and that's you no know, may change. If they get competent ownership back, that's bad for you guys in Las Vegas. So I wouldn't be saying this is good for you guys because uh, there's going to be a change. There's going to be a new sheriff in town. Now, if it's a Dan Snyder type, well, that continues to be good for uh, people, teams in the AFC West like you guys. But if it's competent ownership, that's bad for you guys. There's significant buzz about the guy who owns the L.A. Kings, uh, Anschutz, who uh, is selling 27% of his stake in the Lakers. That's his stake, so he's going to pull like you know $1.2 billion, $1.3 billion, uh, out of the Lakers, we think. Uh, he's worth over $10 billion. I think he would be one of the front runners, right? Well, you, well I know our buddy Chad Andrus. He, he was all excited about that. A little new stadium out by uh, DIA. They need a new stadium. They need to do what all the other smart owners are doing, which is Build a new stadium where you can do retail and mixed-use commercial and, you know, real estate and make significant money. So, you know, the Broncos Stadium right now is in a terrible place. They don't get the benefit of any of that. So, yeah, you need to bring in a heavy hitter. The problem is Anschutz has had many of opportunities to do things like that here in Denver, and he's never really pulled the trigger on any of it. He could have owned the, the Colorado Rockies out of the gate for $100 million and was never interested, never once. Um, so it would be interesting. Everybody's floating that name around. He's also getting you know, fairly old. He's 81. Um, so I don't know. Hmm? Yeah. I said he's 81 so years know. old. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. Um, as you said, the rest of the division has benefited from the fact that there's been such turmoil uh, with the Broncos. And I, I hadn't heard of the stadium thing. I, I don't know. Candy, had you heard? You, you really? Isn't that stadium pretty new? Well, you need a new stadium. What? No, no, no. You know, you, you, you think it's pretty new, but it's actually not. It's one of the older stadiums. It looks new when you go to it. Yeah. It looks fresh and new, but I, isn't it like 20, going on 20 years old or something like that? Oh, okay. They, they, it, yeah, it, it seems new, but it's not. It's one of the older stadiums. But the thing is, it's in a terrible place, and they don't get really, 
they don't get a tremendous amount of economic benefit from it because and, and, and this is how incompetent this thing has been because they haven't had an owner. One, they didn't have naming rights to it for like a long time, right? It, right. it went because the previous two owner uh, naming rights companies went um, bankrupt. So then it sat without without any naming sponsor for like four or five years. And then again, they, they said, well, we got to do something to make some money off of it or something. They put like a little mini stadium in the middle of the parking lot. So then they lost like parking spaces. It was just just incompetence because they didn't have ownership. It's been almost comical if it weren't so sad. Dan, uh, what's the latest going on with your uh, Grill Samaritan program? Yeah, well, I'm giving away another grill this weekend or this week to a lucky listener of the Dan Jacobs show. And then we're just, I'm just waiting for the web guy. He has to add one more graphic and the video is going out to a production company and we're, we're taking it to the streets, baby. Explain what you're doing. Yeah. So what I do is, um, I had a buddy, he, you know, his wife lost her job, so he didn't have a grill. And so I went out. So what I do is all these richy rich mugs like to live in John Elway and Mike Shanahan's neighborhood. They buy these really high-end grills, these four or $5,000 grills. They have no idea how to use them, you know? And uh, so then they burn them up, and they sit in the yard and rot. And then, like, you know, workers come to their house, and they just give them away. And then those people don't know what to do with them. I swoop in, like American Picker style. I get them, you know, for 20 to 100 bucks. I, I rescue them. I restore them. I can't do anything handy. It's ridiculous. I'm like Cofield and Adam. I can't do anything handy, but I'm like Rain Man when it comes to these grills. That's the one thing I can do. I can fix a grill, I, I restore them to new, and then I give them to people that need a grill. It's kind of a beautiful thing. So one of my listeners says, Dan, you're the Grill Samaritan. So I wanna, what I want to do is I want to do a show where we do that. We, uh, you know, we take stories for people that, for whatever reason, they are you know, hard luck story. They need a grill. We go out, you know, Pawn Stars or American Pickers. We negotiate. We find a grill. We rescue it. We you know, kind of you know, DIY to show people how to restore the grill. And then we have a big reveal and, you know, cook a meal and on the new grill and all that stuff. We started this out with you uh, mocking on uh, Mr. Hill and myself on our, uh, well, we're not great on the grill. Uh, Adam has no clue. I have a little bit, but a lot of stuff gets burnt. It's a lot of experimentation. Um, we have started posting more pictures of what we're seeing out and about when it comes to grilling and barbecue food. You were in Wichita. Is that where you posted the, uh, the fake brisket? Yeah, that was bad. It was bad. It was, uh, I mean, it was, it was just, it was roast beef is what it was. And they were saying it was brisket. Uh, so that was, that was not good. And then you posted something from, I don't know, Minnesota or something, which was, uh, no, no, no. Well, the the Minnesota, the Minnesota one was a uh, cat who does radio in Minnesota and he had sent out some barbecue and it was that grayish looking, uh, Oh, Oh, the rib, the gray, the gray looking ribs. No, I found a picture and it wasn't actually a place that I ate at. I happen to be looking on social media, and Adam Candy's buddy Ray Brewer, Ray's the uh, editor of the uh, the Sun. He's a sports guy from the Sun, and you know, you know the guy. And Ray was in uh, Indiana somewhere, Iowa. and there's some uh, Iowa. That's right. Yeah. And it was some place called the Steer oh, Inn, yeah. wherever it was. It was some, yeah, it was that's right. It was by Indianapolis. Um, so he posted a picture uh, from this place called the Steer Inn. Nice looking breakfast. So I always kind of you know I was like oh, I wonder what this place is like. So I look on their Twitter account, and like five posts down is what they were calling like some kind of barbecue meal. It was beans, mac and cheese. Um, and then it was their version of brisket. And like, I, when I posted the picture, everyone immediately was like, what is that? Well, I, I well, now that you're telling me that you got it from their social media feed, that's a that's restaurant. Unbelievable. I can't yes. believe they posted it. Yeah. 
I know. I can't believe they sold it, let alone posted it on their, their social media feed. That's an abomination. There is such a hunger, pun intended, for great barbecue in this country that some places are doing it and don't know what they're doing. Yeah. No, you could tell, like, part of it was, like, twisted, dry, disgusting, yeah. and then other parts were all chewy, bad fat. It was like... You could just, t- I mean, I can tell, I know barbecue, I could just tell by looking at some barbecue, it was like, none of that was even remotely edible. It was terrible. You got to trim the meat, right? You got to trim it. Well, you got to cook it properly. Like, part of that, that was, too. like, not cooked properly. Other of it was just a bad cut and everything. It was just like, a, a, you look at that, you go, I just don't, wouldn't serve this, let alone put it on my social media feed, you know? He, sound, he, he sounds like a snob, but he is a legit pit master and has one of those $3,000 grills and uh, is posting good stuff all the time. Dan, uh, tell people where they can find you on Twitter and what's the next time that you're on the fan. Uh, at Dan T. Jacobs Law, and uh, it's bittersweet. I'm on um, tomorrow night, uh, 10 to midnight, which means I can't crash your podcast. I can't invite myself on the uh, Law and Sporter podcast, which I would have loved to be on because I would have talked more about the uh, Broncos ownership situation in depth. Uh, so I can't be on the Law and Sporter podcast tomorrow. Um, and then uh, prime time, baby, on Friday and Monday, I'm on ten to new or ten to two on uh, the fan as well. And then uh, so you can catch me on uh, DenverFan.com. Listen live. Dan, thank you. We appreciate it. We'll see you. All right, brother. Thanks. I will have some uh, grill pictures this weekend. I'm not sure what I'm cooking. Candy, when you have when you have cookouts, do you? This is going to sound terrible. I don't mean this for the one this weekend. We're having a couple of people over. Do you build the menu based on the people? I'm not saying what they like, but you're like, how much do I like them? Oh, yeah, there's no question about it. I, I like, <laughs> let, like, let's call, let's call it what it is here. Like, if, if it's someone that I like coming over, I'm going to put more thought into the recipe. I'm going to buy better ingredients. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm going to spend more time on it overall. If it's someone that I have to have over, you know, Ooh. I'm probably thinking convenience. I'm probably thinking, how quickly can I make this meal? And, you know, how can I get back to the Kardashians? Low-end hamburgers and hot dogs. Higher-end could go into the 21 pounds of meat for me. It's a tough decision. If you're you're dipping into the 21, (laughs) that's that's high praise, my friend. That is high, high praise. The other thing is, think about it this way. If you dig into the 21 pounds of meat, that yes. not only means you are spending the better meat on this person or persons, you also are investing the time to cook it properly because any mm. jabroni can fire off a burger patty onto the grill and go, you know, Chuck Woolery style two and two and the thing's done and, you know, you throw it on a bun. Like, you're good. Like, a lot more effort if you want to try to get some ribs or some brisket right. Could I get away with setting up a table on each side of the house and directing people to each side. Go, you're, you guys are over there, and then you guys are over there, and the, the steak and the chicken is on that side, and then the hamburgers and hot dogs are on that side. You need but to then have, I, have to, I almost of, have to like put up a dividing wall in the yard so they don't you know, cross-pollinate, and they're like, wait, where, where'd you get that? Right, good luck controlling the smells, by the way, too. Um, and so <laughs> I, I think the, the most important thing here is that much like much like for tax purposes, how you're supposed to have a separate entrance in your house for the business, I think you're going to have to have like a tunnel that starts half a block away. That's like the Cofield party and make sure that people don't smell anything when they go over to Burger Side. 
And then the people that you like can park in the driveway and go over to Stakeside. Of course. I'm kidding. Everyone who's come over is uh, is awesome, and they're all going to get the highest-grade beef hot dogs. Want to be part of the show? Tweet at Steve Cofield or call 702-364-1100. It's gone if it's fair. It's way up there. See you later. Now, back to Cofield and company. Schwarber launches another one to right. See you later. (laughs) Two tonight, and he's up to 24. Meet the Mets. Step right up and greet the Mets. Bring your kiddies, bring your wife. Guaranteed to have oh, the time met him. of your life because the Mets are really sucking the ball. Kyle Schwarber on fire. What is that? Uh, 26 home runs in 26 games. Uh, he has been, we talked about Joey Gallo about 20 minutes ago, hometown guy with uh, nine homers in the month. Uh, Schwarber's pushing, what, 16 or 17 now in the month. He destroyed the Mets on Monday with a couple of uh, big flies. And, uh, boy, the Cubs are doing well. But uh, bailing on Schwarby, especially in in shape, Schwarber. And you know already, Candy, that Schwarber is one of my favorite players because, uh, one, I'm, I'm very much behind the short and squatty. Uh, and when it comes to fantasy baseball, my entire team is generally filled with uh, short and squatty, unless it's Joey Gallo, who's 6'5". So anyone who strikes out a lot um, and basically can double as like a this era's Phil Plantier, I'm down with. What would you serve at the Cofield 4th of July <laughs> cookout <laughs> to Kyle Schwarber? Oh, my God. What, what a spread it would be. How many steaks do you want, sir? I haven't what used a smo- I haven't used a smoker in two years. What would you like smoked? Let me get started a couple days before Schwarbs. Schwarby. Yes. Yeah. For <laughs> for everything that's going on in baseball this year, with the fact that nobody can hit the ball, uh, tell that to Otani and Schwarber <laughs> and Tatis <laughs> and Guerrero. It's like everybody who can't hit two hundred, and then these guys blowing baseballs out of the park over and over again trying to come up with more because this has been my infatuation in baseball the short and squatty um could i say that kyle schwarber is a rich man's ken phelps don't you dare don't you bring up the name ken phelps you know you shouldn't be bringing up the name ken phelps because if you talk about ken phelps you need to be talking about jay buner don't do that let's um (laughs) let's take this to the other end the other end let's put it on the mound right because Uh, if the the leader of these all-stars has to be Rich Garces, right? Yes. Rich El, Creamy El, Garces. El, El Guapo. El Guapo, the Rich Creamy Garces. Yes. <laughs> who was probably what, like 5'10", 275? Like, oh, yeah. It, he was a fullback in a relief pitcher's body. It was really something <laughs> to see. I can't tell you how depressed I was when the Twins last week sent down the uh, the 47-mile-an-hour pus throwing. La Tortuga! Uh, no, that's the D.O. or however you say his name. Uh, he got sent down. Hitting 254. What are we going to play defense in the majors? Uh, you're 5'10. You got to be below 280. What is this? Fat shaming nonsense. What are you talking about? Like, Giancarlo Stanton's hitting like 20 points higher than that, making $300 million a year. He doesn't play the field. Damn it. But how does he look in the uniform, right? And he actually lifts weights. 
<laughs> real, real impressive here we stuff. Go. Body shaming again. Major League Baseball body shaming as always. Go ahead, Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer, you need to take off your uniform. Come on, take your pants off, Max Scherzer. Show us you got no sticky stuff down there. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas.